You'll notice how the Lord puts it to them here. He said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ. Now, you didn't use that word this week, behoved. But it means it was absolutely essential for the Lord Jesus to suffer and die. It was necessary. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't just a mob run, running riot in their rebellion and anarchy. This was all God's plan. It behoved. It was the very essential work of the Lord Jesus to go to the cross, to suffer on that tree, and there bleed and die, that he might be the Savior of men. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher, and we're on the air again to bring you the message of the gospel. We're turning again to Luke 24, and we're dealing now with the preaching of the gospel after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. In verse 44 we read, And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. And that was the ministry that these disciples now were to preach, that the Bible proclaimed that Jesus would die and that he would rise again. And they based their whole ministry on the life, the death of the Lord Jesus and the fact that he was now alive forevermore. May the Lord bless you. We're turning now to the Whitfield Choir singing Psalm 23.
48 of Luke 24 is our text. Although really I want to preach this whole issue of the instructions given to the disciples after appearing to them in living form. Verse 48 says, And ye are witnesses of these things. It was from the empty tomb that the commission to evangelize the world began. Prior to that, there was no message. And the greatest task that is to be undertaken without guns, without bombs or bullets, to conquer the world for Jesus was to be taken on by these most unlikely of men. Now, if you've ever been to a job interview, you will know that they will try and weed out and shortlist the, uh, the few who are suitable candidates and weed out those that are just, don't even bother. And the old conundrum, what experience do you have? And you well, if you don't give me a job, I'll never get experience. Well, these fellows had absolutely none. What answers do you have? We don't know. But when the Lord Jesus came, and he revealed himself in such a marvelous manner as we described and read in that passage, where he showed them his hands, his feet, he ate fish before their faces, and he convinced them from the Scriptures that he was the living Christ. There was a joy that entered their souls. Well, talk about your cup flowing over. These men had it. They knew something about that. And they began their ministry, but not just yet, because the Lord had some instructions for them. He had some words to guide them. And it is these instructions that I want us to look at today, because they apply to you and me. Now, I don't know if you've even attempted this week to say a word for the Lord Jesus, to give out a, a Bible verse or a gospel tract, or to invite someone along to church to hear the gospel. I don't know if you've, if you've done that, but if you have, you'll appreciate that the Lord gives us a few instructions how we're to go about this task of being living witnesses for the Lord Jesus. And ye are witnesses of these things. First one is in verse 46, and it is preach the success of Christ's work. You'll notice how the Lord puts it to them here. He said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ. Now, you didn't use that word this week, behoved, but it means it was absolutely essential for the Lord Jesus to suffer and die. It was necessary. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't just a mob run, running riot in their rebellion and anarchy. This was all God's plan. It behoved. It was the very essential work of the Lord Jesus to go to the cross, to suffer on that tree, and there bleed and die, that he might be the Savior of men. And he did it. And he finished the work. It behoved Christ to suffer. And then his resurrection. Now, in this passage, we read of the Lord showing the disciples his hands and feet to let them see that he had a real 
physical body. That was essential. But I asked, what was the eating fish all about? Why was it necessary that uh, these disciples would see the Lord eating food, swallowing the food? Our Lord Jesus had a fully functioning body. He could see, he could talk, communicate. He could draw from the past events. He was identifiable. He was a real living person with all the marks of humanity. A man. But of course, he was supernatural. He was God in the flesh, risen from the dead. They also were to preach the fulfillment of the Scriptures. In verse 44, 45, the Lord went to great lengths uh, to talk to them about Moses, the prophets, the Psalms. And that, by the way, includes all 39 books of the Old Testament, those, that three-fold uh, uh, <coughs> category. The Moses, five books. The prophets, that's all the written prophets. And then it's all the Psalms, the poetical books. The whole 39 books of the Old Testament. And the Lord said that it was all about him, his life, his work, his death. But more than that, he opened their understanding. And maybe that's what you need today. How many times you've been to church now? How many times have you had a Bible in your hand and you're still not a Christian? How many times have you been introduced to the, the person of the Lord Jesus, but you're still not a believer? Why? It's a matter of the heart. It's not primarily a matter of the head. You've got enough information. There's probably nothing new that I could tell you today that you haven't already heard. But it's a matter of your heart. And if your heart is not opened, you can't understand spiritual things. The heart is desperately wicked, deceitful above all things. Who can know it? And these things are spiritually discerned. So it's a gift. Don't think for a moment that you're in control. That would be the worst thinking. The idea that you're in control would say, well, I'll determine the day when I will just get down to studying these things out and grappling with them and really coming to a position on it and then considering being a Christian. And I'm going to get to it one day. I have other things in, in the foreground right now, but one day I'll get to it. And I'll look it up and I'll get to the Bible and I'll read it and I'll study it and I'll come to my own conviction. Let me tell you, if the Lord doesn't open your understanding, a stack of Bibles won't help. The devils also believe and tremble. It has to be the Lord that opens your heart. And that's very humbling. It really humbles the pride of man. Man likes to think that he's got a brain and he can use it, that he's got an intellect. And most people think they're above average. But there couldn't be an average if that was true. You need the Lord to open your heart. You need to come and sit at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, would you speak to me and show me these things? Come to really look to Jesus to open your heart. Now, this conviction that Jesus' work was an absolute success is the foundation of evangelism. These men could never be witnesses if they did not stand on these certainties. The death, the resurrection, the fulfillment of the Scriptures. These men were going out to preach the Bible, but also the Jesus of the Bible. And therefore, they needed to have this very stand. Now, 
the personal joy that flooded their souls. You'll notice in verse 41, and while they, <coughs> excuse me, while they yet believed not for joy and wondered. You see, this message, it has to thrill your own heart. There's no point in me telling you to go out and be a witness for the Lord Jesus, tell people about Jesus, if you haven't got joy in your heart, if he is not thrilling your soul. There has to be that inner blessedness. At a missionary meeting, some young people were discussing the text, ye are the salt of the earth. And one suggestion came after another as to the meaning of salt in the verse. One said, salt imparts a desirable flavor. Another said, salt preserves from decay. And then there was another Asian Chinese girl, and from her own experience, she said, salt makes you thirsty. And that's what Christians are supposed to do, to make men and women wonder and want the Savior whom we enjoy. And when we are filled and delighted and showing forth the grace of, of Christ in us, God might make us to make men thirsty. And they might be wondering, who is this Jesus that you have? Who is this Savior you have? That's the basis on which they would be witnesses. They lived, they preached the success of Jesus' death and resurrection. Secondly, verse 47, the second instruction that our Lord gave to them was that they should preach repentance. Repentance. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached. Uh-oh, that didn't sound too good, did it? I wanted to emphasize preaching, and all I got was a scrick. The very thing I didn't want. It's to be preached. We're living in times when preaching repentance is out of vogue. To preach repentance is to recognize that the world has fallen and perishing. Those who were not here Sunday evening, I preached on the Titanic big event, tragic. Did you know that this world is perishing just like that Titanic? All the boasts of men, this world is improving, getting better, unsinkable. Never again will it face judgment. That's the boasts of men. But the Bible tells me that this world is under judgment. In the old sealing days, it was a truism that when a ship was sinking, the rats jumped overboard and got off ship whatever they knew. Repentance is to call men to jump ship from the world. Get out! Leave the world! And all its pomp, and all its deception, and all its empty pleasure, and all its lust, and all its vanity. Leave the world behind! Cleave to the cross of Christ as your hope of salvation. We're to preach repentance. This world is perishing. Repentance, of course, is to hate not just the fact that the world is, cannot fulfill its empty promises, but to hate the very sin that offends a holy God. Repentance was the very first sermon of the Lord Jesus when he was baptized and entered his ministry. Repent! John the Baptist, his first sermon, Repent or perish. 
Repentance was the message of Peter when he stood at Pentecost. The people cried out, Peter, what will we do? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That was the preaching of Peter. And I am called today as a witness, and we are all called as Christians to preach repentance. We've got to warn you. We've got to tell you that the world that you're trusting in and hoping in and shows all its glitter and glamour will feel you need a Savior. You need to come and trust the Lord Jesus. You cannot have a nice, friendly Jesus and love the world too. That's how many wanted these days. Even in churches today, there are many young people, many growing up with this attitude. You can have religion, you can have Jesus, and you can have the world. What does the Bible says? The friendship of the world is enmity with God. You can't stay in love with the world and have your soul saved too. James said, ye adulterers and adulteresses, Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now, where do you stand today? Are you a Christian, a believer, a repentant one? Or are you, as you sit in this seat, and it seems almost an oxymoron, it seems a contradiction, that you could come to a Christian church on a Sunday morning, sit in the pews, sing the hymns, listen to God's word, and be an enemy? How can it be? Because the gospel is radical. It's not a band-aid to a little prick. It is the work of a redeemer who came from heaven and was willing to die on a cross in Jerusalem in AD 33 in your place to take your sins. Because without a redeemer, you were lost. And today you need that Savior. And you must repent of the world and turn to him with all your heart and with all your soul. That's real Christianity. And the preacher that is telling people who sit in the pew that the world is improving, the world is getting better, just sit it out, follow these little rules to ride out the wave of this world, is a lie. Jesus told his disciples to preach repentance because we will all give account. Third one, preach Christ's authority to forgive sin. It says, <coughs> verse 47, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached. Now, that's pretty clear, isn't it? Remission of sins. That's what our Lord Jesus is all about. The Lord Jesus is not just a helper to pay the bills in life. The Lord Jesus has not just come to keep you from getting too many gray hairs too quickly, to be a helper through the struggles of life. No, the Lord Jesus came from heaven. He went to Calvary to be a savior of sinners. His work is to forgive sin. And the only way that you can do business with Jesus Christ is on the basis of the blood that forgives sin. The only way you can have relationship with Christ is to come as a sinner, seeking his cleansing and his mercy and his grace, the remission of sins. 
Now, this whole matter really was offensive to the Pharisees. When our Lord Jesus conducted his earthly ministry and said on occasion, thy sins be forgiven thee, it got those Pharisees hopping mad. Who can forgive sins but God? Now, they were right. But something they didn't see, Jesus is God, and he can forgive sins. And he's the only one, the only one who can forgive sins. Now, you'll notice in verse 47 how the risen Lord put that to these apostles very, very clearly. Verse 47, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached. Didn't stop there. In his name. His name. There is no other name under heaven. Is Christianity narrow? Yes. Is Christianity unique in the religions of the world? Yes. There's only one Savior, one sin-bearer, one Redeemer, one sacrifice offered at Calvary for sin. There's only one Son whom the Father sent to be the sin-bearer, Savior for your soul. And your remission of sins is in His name. And that's how you're saved. You come pleading Jesus' name. Any other name will not do.
Listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca. CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187-9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m. here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Mm -hmm.